Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast, where we talk about all the various Hammer uh, horror films from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm your co-host, Ro Lauren. And joining us for this episode, uh, a man who has uh, very great knowledge, it seems, of the uh, Hammer films. He is on the Scars of Dracula Blu-ray that recently came out from Scream Factory, which is pretty exciting that Scream Factory is putting out all these various films. We have Ted Newsom on the show with us. Thank you for coming on the show with us, Ted. I'm swell, Chris. Hi, Ro. 
haven't talked to you in an age. Chad, for everyone not familiar with uh, your work and who you are, uh, why don't you tell Screw us a little up. bit about yourself? I'm 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 a big uh, nerd, a big uh, monster kid. Grew up with these things. Uh, I'm in my 60s now, as most of us original Hammer fans are, or 70s for goodness' sake. And they've been part of my life all my life. Uh, I I made a uh, documentary called Flesh and Blood, the Hammer Heritage of Horror, 20 years ago now. That was the last uh, the last work together by Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. They narrated the thing, and uh, I spent two years two years making it, and then the last 20 years polishing it up. Um, they've just always been a part of my life since I was a kid, and uh, I got to meet and work with uh, a number of them over the years. And it's just that they've always appealed to me because they're like uh, they're like little Swiss watches. Uh, they're not the biggest watch in the world. They're not the most expensive. They're not the most. It's not like a giant clock like Big Ben, but they just are so cute and beautiful and well made that you admire them and occasionally you put them in your vest pocket and look at them. you were on uh, you've been on several documentaries regarding uh the uh various horror movies over the years like 100 years of horror was that the one that was hosted by christopher the, lee the, it was indeed that was done a year after uh, we did the reunion with uh, lee and uh, cushy and we shot that at bray studios um that was the first time he'd been there in 25 years Yes, well, we uh, we shot outside a couple of times with Lee, and uh, we shot in front of the uh, uh, the uh, the columned outside doors that he goes through, crashes through in the mummy. Uh, shot in front of the the so-called castle wall where he walks along at night in Curse of Frankenstein, um, and on the uh, you know on the well out in front of. Um, uh, the place that's the castle in uh, oh the reptile and uh, plague of the zombies um, oh what's it called uh, oh never mind <laughs> it doesn't matter what it's called uh, Oakley Court Oakley Court um, so yeah that that was that was great um, remind me to tell you a, a Christopher Lee anecdote uh, in fact I'll tell it now <laughs> Christopher Lee uh, has a reputation. Uh, had he's gone now he had a reputation as being extremely stuffy and uh, unhumorous just very serious and he was if you didn't know him he, he used that as a defense because he's, he was actually a very shy man Cushing pointed this out several times uh, because he said hey, that's not the Christopher I know um, and he used it uh, and most and most people just said, well, that must be the way he is. He wasn't. Once you got to know him, he's a very funny guy, you know, very smart and very affable and so on. But, boy, that reserve is there, and, and that's the way he was seen by most people. Well, we were shooting outside in, Brace, in, in the lawn in front of Bray Studios, right, actually right in front of that uh, uh, colonnade, uh, the exterior uh, double doors thing. So what are you, you're you're currently still working today? I saw a bunch of new stuff on your IMDb. Indeed, yeah. How many of the um, Scream Factory uh, Hammer films are you on? Because I know you're on Scars I, of Dracula. You know, I have no idea. I'm doing a lot of them for Constantine Nasser, 
who has actually done, I think, all of the things that the Screen Factory does. And, and uh, you know, when he needs somebody to sit there and shoot his mouth off for an hour and a half, he gives me a call. Uh, and I'm perfectly willing to do that. Um, I, I don't know how many I've done. Ten, maybe twenty, I don't What is the most ridiculous Hammer film probably put out? I mean, because Satanic Rites of Dracula definitely is rates up there with like one of the more like this is at the end of the studio's run kind of feeling, right? I mean, this is when the studio was really just falling apart. Oh, I don't agree. But, uh, but the most ridiculous one, that, I don't know. Uh, you see, I, I, I don't think Lost Continent makes any sense. Uh, it's just all over the place. It's one thing, and then it's another, and then you've got uh, you know, Spanish monks and pirates and glop <laughs> monsters and, and so forth. But it's intentionally that way. It's intentionally campy. I hate the I hate the term campy. Prehistoric women stinks. I mean, it stinks on ice, but it's it's glorious. <laughs> um, yeah, Michael Carreras, whose idea it was, and who produced and wrote and directed it, uh, said what it really needed was those Batman pow zip wow sort of things. Uh, well, it needed jokes too, and it has none of those. But uh, you know, they 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 did. Really, I mean, we look at them as like all gothic stuff. It's not true. Uh, they did a lot of stuff covering a lot of aesthetic ground. And some of them were utterly lousy. Uh, some of them were boring. And it's that, that core middle stuff that's, that's absolutely wonderful, classic. Um, but, uh, yeah, there were, there were a number of them that were, you know, unpleasant, like uh, Straight On Till Morning, one of the last ones they did. Uh, and, uh, incomprehensible, uh, like Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. Mm -hmm. Incomprehensible for one reason or the other. Uh, dull or, or, or lacking, like uh, their first Robin Hood back in the 50s. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and just kind of same old thing, like the Mummy's Shroud. doesn't matter, because for every Mummy's Shroud, you've got Frankenstein created woman. You know, for every on the buses, you've got the Gorgon. Uh, you know, it, it balances out. And overall, uh, I don't think they made a lot of rotten pictures. You don't find anything, anything at all in the 30, 50 years of Hammer films, or 80 if you count the ones they did in the 30s. Uh, you don't find anything in there like uh, Beasts of Yucca Flats or any of the Ed Wood films. You don't find any truly lousy films. And I'll defend Satanic Rites of Dracula till my dying breath. Uh, it's not it's not horror of Dracula. It's not it's not one of the you know, the gothic classics. But it's got a lot going for it. It actually has a main character who has a goal. Uh, Dracula wants to do something and someone stands in his way, which is Van Helsing. He's got some dialogue. He wants something. Now, he wants something incredible. He wants the destruction of the entire race. And not just not just like Fu Manchu because he hates everybody. He hates himself. And he wants to destroy every living creature on Earth so he can die. That's a marvelously complex uh, motivation for a character. It's not Bram Stoker necessarily. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a cool deal, a complicated plot as opposed to the last three or four or five 
or all of the previous Draculas, where it's really simplistic. Somebody does something bad to Dracula, and he gets he wants to go get his revenge on the one or two people that are there. And that goes back to the 1958 film. Uh, you know, I will avenge my servant. Well, wait a minute. Why do you want to avenge him? Without him being dead, you wouldn't come back, you bozo. Uh, you know, uh, oh, I, you know I, I, I'm going to travel 500 miles to replace the vampire girl that guy killed. Oh, so you couldn't just, like, go into the village and grab somebody? I mean... Why, why, why are you so mad about a thing? But here you've got a guy who wants something grand and horrific and astounding, a, a plague that will destroy billions because he doesn't want to exist. That is a marvelous twist. There, there seems to be a film missing between 1972 A.D. and uh, Satanic Rites of Dracula because at the end of uh, 1972... He's dead, and then at the beginning of Satanic Rites, he's alive, but there's no explanation about how he came back, whereas all the other Hammer films have shown us how Dracula well, returned. Yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, if, if, there, there, there's a loose continuity, but it's very loose, and I don't care. I mean, I, I, you know, I just, I, he's, been, he's been there and back so often. Yeah, okay, well, he's back. Do we need to explain it? No, it's the usual thing. Uh, you know. <laughs> It's just he's there, like the the, the, the in uh, between Taste the Blood of Dracula and Scars of Dracula. There's no continuity. There is at at the beginning of Scars of Dracula, the bat, you know, the frock bat comes in and vomits on the, the dust of Dracula, and he comes back. Well, that's actually a, a fairly good continuity, because Dracula, assuming his real human shape, is just the end of Taste the Blood of Dracula run backwards. <laughs> um, it's the same shot. They just, well, he just was destroyed pretty good in the last one, yeah. Well, I just print it backwards. And, <laughs> you know, there you go. Okay, he moved from London to his castle and wherever, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Good enough. Good enough. And it was all, it was just good enough. Uh, there really, there really didn't need to be an explanation. Just like there's, there's no explanation of why. Lugosi is back as Dracula and Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Uh, he's got a stake through his heart. He's had that for 18 years. He's gone. He's dead. Uh, you know, his, his daughter burned him to ashes. He's gone. Um, or if you don't believe that, then Dr. Edelman uh, killed him by dragging his coffin into the sun the last time we saw him when he looked like John Carradine. But you just, you just go, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, for us, for fans who are going to examine each uh, each element of it yeah there's a there's a continuity gap between uh, uh, falling on <laughs> stupidly falling on a grave full of stakes in one movie and then suddenly becoming a, a, a giant Robert Maxwell Howard Hughes type character in the next one <laughs> but you know you, your brain fills in the thing and see well he probably made a couple of bucks on the stock market oh, maybe killed a couple of people and seen their things well, maybe 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 he was a gun dealer for a while. Boy, you know, it's uh, like in two years he rises to the head of the D.D. Denim Corporation. Or was there a D.D. Denim before that? And he turned his uh, he uh, assumed his uh, his uh, uh, his title and form like the Dracula does in the the, the Chinese film. Uh, I will take your miserable billionaire 
image. But beneath it shall be a jackanar with unsync dialogue. Uh, but, yes, there does seem to be a chunk of life missing in that, uh, that, little, that little bit. How did you begin this, uh, your, like, career? Like, how did you get into doing this? I just always wanted, I wanted to make movies. And, and like a lot of people, I think, I wanted to make movies like the movies I saw when I was a kid. <laughs> and I think that's, uh, I think that's a motivation that uh, a lot of people use. They were, they liked the experience of watching them. They knew that there was a certain kind of movie they really liked. Gee, I want to study, uh, study up and see how these are done. Gee, I'd really like to make these. <laughs> and that's that, that's that's where I led. I knew from, I don't know, uh, probably preteen. I was going to say preteen, which gets into something really weird, and I, I'd like to avoid it. But <laughs> preteen, um, uh, this is Chris. Look, this is the way it's going to go. Um, it's going to be loose. All right, uh, prepare yourself because we can bail any time. Uh, that uh, that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make movies. Um, they didn't all have to be horror movies, but I loved horror movies, and, and that, uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So I'd, I'd, I'd watch them, and I'd uh, keep an eye out for names that kept reappearing. Cushing and Lee, obviously, uh, Karloff and, and Lugosi and so on, but also directors and writers and things like that, and noticing that uh, they tended to come up at times where I go, oh, that was a good one. Who's that? <laughs> Terrence Fisher. Okay, fine. And then, you know, if I saw something that Terrence Fisher directed, oh, yeah, that guy. I mean, for example. Right, uh, right. Having, having seen Curse of Frankenstein and The Horror of Dracula on a double bill when I was about, I don't know, eight or nine, I was, uh, I was aware of that. And then in retrospect, I'd watch television, and I'd see episodes of The Adventures of Robin Hood from the 50s with Richard Green, and there'd be Terrence Fisher's name on it. Oh, that guy. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, my mind was warped from an early age, and I simply followed that and uh, uh, studied it in, in uh, well, studied it on my own in high school because there wasn't any such thing as film classes in high school. But then later in college, and uh, I ended up intentionally coming to California because that's where they make movies here. <laughs> and um, and pursuing that writing uh, writing ultimately because uh, it's it's the cheapest way in unless your 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 dad happens to work in the uh, in the studios as a grip or something like that uh, and then my dad did not so hmm. I was on my own. Ted, why is the film also called um, Count Dracula and His Vampire Brides? Why the difference in the titles? The world changed in the seventies for Hammer. Uh, filmmaking changed. Um, they had that little niche that they carved out for themselves in the late 50s with the first major successes they had. They, they had uh, pretty solid successes with Quatermass films. Sorry to, sorry to answer in the long term, but it is a long story, and it, it uh, goes from the 50s into the 70s and the death of Hammer. Uh, and for about five years, maybe push it and go 10, they had that that little niche all to themselves. Uh, they and the Corman AIP horror, uh, Edgar Allan Poe pictures. They had color period gothic horror 
pretty much nailed. Everything else was an imitation. Uh, and they, they were relatively small budgets. They weren't negligible budgets. Where can people find you online, Ted? Uh, just look me up on Facebook. I don't have an online presence beyond that. Okay. And is there a project you're currently working on that you want to plug or an upcoming Blu-ray that you're going to no, be on as a film no, historian? There's no, uh, no, there's nothing. There, I've got nothing to plug. Well, thank you, Ted, for coming on the show with us to talk about uh, uh, a little bit about your career and uh, your contributions, as well as uh, say t uh, some uh, interesting facts about the satanic rites of Dracula. Well, you're very welcome. I hope you stay safe during the uh, coronavirus outbreak, and uh, you're in good health. Uh, well, same to you, both of you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. <laughs> then that was the uh, film historian Ted Newsom, and now Roe will have the plot synopsis for us for The Satanic Rites of Dracula, or... Count Dracula and his Vampire Brides. It kind of sounds like a uh, introduction for a Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoon. All right, the Satanic Rites of Dracula is a direct sequel to Dracula AD 1972 and was released on November 3rd, 1973, directed by Alan Gibson. Our film opens with credits rolling over various cityscapes and then into a satanic ritual where a nude young woman is being sacrificed. An undercover agent named Hansen, Maurice O'Connell, is seen tied and beaten into a bed, or yes, seen having been beaten and tied to a bed in the same facility. He is able to loosen the ropes and strangles a guard to death, but he trips an alarm when he tries to leave the building. Chased down by guards, he is able to make it to the main gate where a few men in the car pick him up. Later, Hansen tells his bosses of the satanic ritual of which he uh, was able to take photos of, and an altar where five of the biggest businessmen in, English, in England's government participated. He identifies four of them before he dies. General Freeborn, Lockwood West, Lord Carradine, Patrick Barr, Dr. John Porter, Richard Matthews, and Professor Julian Keeley, Freddie Jones. His hidden camera has caught them at the facility Though the fifth picture shows nobody in it, one of the men runs the one of the men that runs the company is one that Hansen works for. So they call in a third-party investigator, Murray, uh, Michael Coles, to help. Meanwhile, their secretary Jane, Valerie Van Oost, is followed and killed on her way home by the guards from the facility. Figuring the occult is involved, uh, is involved. Inspector Murray consults expert. Professor Lorimer Van Helsing, Peter Cushing. The professor discovers that Keeley, who is an old friend, has turned to satanic worship for immortality and has been forced to work on an accelerated strain of the bubonic plague, which spreads by touch and kills rapidly by rotting the skin directly. At the time, Dracula, Christopher Lee, appears at the facility and bites and turns a woman into a vampire. Van Helsing visits... Keeley and is interrupted by the guards who shoot and wound Van Helsing and hang Keeley after he talks about his plans that have to be completed before the 23rd of the month. Inspector Murray, Van Helsing's granddaughter Jessica, Joanne Lumi, Van Helsing's visit with Keeley is interrupted by the guards who shoot and wound Van Helsing and hang Keeley after he talks about his plans that must be completed before the 23rd of the month. Inspector Murray, Van Helsing's granddaughter, Jessica, Joanne Lumi, and Peter Torrance, William Franklin, go to Pelham House to investigate. 
Murray and Peter go into the front, and Jessica sneaks in the back, where she discovers a group of female vampires chained up in the basement. They barely escape after Murray stakes one of the vampires. Dr. Van Helsing deduces that Keeley Foundation is funded by the Denim Corporation, run by Dee Dee Denim, who is never seen publicly and who controls his empire from a building recently built at St. Bartol's Church, the same spot where he... Uh, where Van Helsing killed Dracula two years ago, as shown in our previous film. Now it's the day before November 23rd, the Sabbath of the Undead, the night the undead cause unspeakable horrors on the earth. Van Helsing fashions a silver bullet from a cross, goes to the chairman's suite at the office building, and confronts Dee Dee Denham, who he discovers is Dracula. But his henchmen capture Van Helsing and cause him to misfire the silver bullet. Meanwhile, Dracula has ordered the capture of Jessica and Murray. Murray is hypnotized and almost bitten until he stakes Chin Yang and escapes after visiting or after killing the other vampires. Dracula's plan is to make Jessica his consort and then wipe humans off the earth with his new strain of plague, thus completing his revenge. As Dracula performs the ceremony over Jessica's body, he hypnotizes one of the four executives into infecting himself with the plague and watches as the man suffers horribly. Elsewhere, Murray is fighting with a guard, and the guard becomes electrocuted, starting a, starting a fire throughout the facility. Murray saves Jessica while Dracula and Van Helsing escape the flames through a window. Dracula follows Van Helsing into the woods, and he lures him to a hawthorn bush, where he becomes trapped, and Van Helsing stakes him to the fence post. As Dracula turns to dust, Pelham House burns, and along with it, burns the new plague strain. This is uh, the most unusual of all of the Dracula movies that we have covered up to this point, uh, because of the use of the satanic rites and uh, the bubonic plague. Oh, definitely. I was not. Ex it, I was not expecting this. Like the way this one was done, it kind of reminds me of like a james bond movie except for like actual tits <laughs> yeah i mean it will again like, it's mean, funny because in the 70s that's when uh christopher lee would go on to be in the man with the golden gun um yeah. as uh as uh the villain of that bond movie facing against roger moore yeah i mean you've got like and it opens with like spies and and secret cameras on watches i was like whoa whoa <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely has an insanely, um, just like the previous movie, has an insanely modern feel, modern to 1973, feel to it compared to the last several films that we've uh, watched. And most of the Hammer films take place, you know, hundreds of, like, over a hundred years ago. And very few right. of them actually take place today in mo with modern technology. Right. Or I, modern like technology really for the film. See, um someone gets sniped it later in the film i was like holy shit <laughs> so we open up with shots of london and a shadow of dracula that mysteriously moves across the screen it's very unusual yeah and like the worst 70s <laughs> disco style music that we have ever played and then we immediately cut to the satanic-looking symbol on a coffee table, which I would love that table in my house. <laughs> oh, right? Um, I have a book that's all about the occult and the supernatural, and it has the uh, 
It has the, the goat head on it. And, of course, here in Massachusetts, we have the Temple of Satan. I had on my show um, Penny Lane, uh, not, not no relation to the song, the director of the movie Hail Satan, a documentary about um, the Temple of Satan. Oh, wow. Great Demons of Hell is some of the dialogue that has, is said uh, during this uh, ritual that involves a chicken skulls skulls that look like they're from mexico by the way oh yeah and boobs yeah, <laughs> right off the bat I... we have full we have a completely naked woman uh yeah. who they're very careful to make sure they show her completely naked but do not show do you notice when she gets up later on her legs are moved in a way that they make sure they do not show her downstairs business Yes, I and I have the timestamp of around three and a half minutes in. You just see a full shot of her boobs, the whole thing. And then about five minutes in, we have our first murder. And I was like, wow, right off the bat, this is like a fucking action movie. <laughs> yeah, like when she sits up, she's like her legs crossed or like the camera angle is different. Yeah. But I was so very pleased that she um, it, she's basking in that blood. She loves it. Ro, what famous anime <laughs> cartoon series <laughs> does this entire opening sequence remind you of that we have talked about before? I don't remember if we've oh, talked man. about it on the podcast, and I definitely know we have talked about it in private. Uh, Bible Black. Oh, no, no, Bible yeah, Black. <laughs> yes. That is so true. This reminds me of completely of Bible Black. Uh, Bible Black, of course, probably takes it from... Films of the 70s were heavily influenced by satanic cults and the fear of satanic cults. And there were a lot of movies about satanic cults in the 70s. So Hammer oh, took yeah. advantage of that as well. And in the Bible Black series, the first opening episode, the very first episode of Bible Black, is this kind of ritual. It's a naked woman on an altar with a pentagram and a bunch of people with robes standing around pouring, like, uh, like they stab her, they put blood on her, or they... They bang her yeah. <laughs> with their uh, feminine demon tenic- uh, penises. So, yes. uh, thankfully, that doesn't happen here. So it seems like she would have been totally into it. Probably, <laughs> because the entire time she's, like, writhing. Whenever someone touches her and they pour the blood on her, she looks like she has an orgasm as the blood is being yeah. poured right into her belly button. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I was thrilled to see it. <laughs> I'm sure you were. Was this a typical Saturday night for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, throughout the entire movie, this 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 '70s awful disco music plays. It is truly terrible. Woo woo chicka woo chicka 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 woo woo. Oh, I know it's so so bad. And and I mean, I thought in 1972 it was distracting, but this one, who which seemed like somewhat less, uh, uh like '70s altogether. And then you just had this soundtrack, and I was like, this is just really off-putting. <laughs> Now, right in the beginning, with the listening, the guy listening in on the cult happen, the sacrifice happening, and the girl yeah. in the sacrifice is just known as sacrifice victim, vampire girl, because later on she's back as a vampire. Her name was Mia Martin, and she was in, um, she was on the Benny Hill show in various roles, and I can totally understand why. Oh, yeah. Because women on the Benny Hill show were pretty much, um, like the sex symbols of that show. Right. Um, so I'm so confused about what's happening. There's a guy in the bed. He's all cut up. There's a guy in the listening post. There's a guard. I don't, I thought this was like a whole other scene, but I guess the guy in the bed is a cop that they captured or something. Yeah. So I, okay. Well, first of all, I definitely thought like 
where the hell are the missing 30 minutes? Like, I felt like there was a, a scene that was... Where was the build-up to this man getting captured? But from what I could tell, he's like an undercover agent of sorts that works for some kind of government agency. Because the one of those one of those ringleader guys who's in there is their boss. But why any of this is happening in the first place, I have no I have no idea. Like they just were like, yeah, here you go, espionage is happening now. Then we cut over to Inspector Murray of Scotland Yard, called on by uh, the special branch of the Secret Service. That's what they're called, the Secret Service, because the woman who gets kidnapped, the secretary, she's the secretary for the Secret Service. Now, Inspector Murray was in the previous movie as well. Yes, and the same actor. <laughs> yeah, the like same exact actor. More dialogue about Lords of Darkness, Great Demons of Hell. This ceremony kind of goes on and on for a while while everything else is happening. It really does. Yeah. Uh, and then they stab her right in the freaking chest, and the wound immediately closes up in, I'm assuming, stop-motion animation, because it's not the wound that's on her. You can clearly see it's a prosthetic that they're yeah. closing up using some type of uh, stop-motion animation. Yeah. Um, and she is, of course, completely naked, um, and they do everything in their power to just obscure anything else about her um i i honestly think this woman is uh equivalent to uh, melinda may in the movie life force oh yes who's naked that's one of my favorite movies of all time oh interesting we actually talked about after we're finished with once bitten on the vampire movie minute podcast possibly doing uh life force as part of the vampire movie minute podcast oh that's awesome yeah patrick stewart kisses a man okay and and Melinda May is maybe the hottest woman I've ever seen in my life. Oh my it's god, like she's my so top, hot. That's one of my top movies. And she didn't speak any English whatsoever. Yeah, she has like no lines in that film. No, and, and any lines she does have are, are somebody else yeah. saying them. But yeah. uh, she she's in that movie. She's only in that movie, by the way, for 25 minutes and 17 of those minutes she's completely naked. Yeah, and it's glorious. It is. She has a beautiful body. I mean, oh, they yeah. really had to find somebody who was going to be 100% comfortable. And, of course, they find somebody who's European. <laughs> yeah. Well, when they were like, yeah, she's like the um, epitome of, like, femininity. And she really is. She embodies it. I just, I adore that movie. <laughs> but, yes, I would agree with that um, comparison. Okay, so um, in this movie, uh, when Peter Cushing shows up, uh, he has a niece. He has a granddaughter now. What happened to his niece in the previous movie? She was, no, that was still his granddaughter, I thought. Okay, but it's not the same woman. Right, no, she, I read that she was going to reprise her role, but she was, um, I guess, busy at the time, and so she couldn't do it. So they just cast some other woman and pretending like no one noticed Wait, Jessica was the name of his previous granddaughter as well? Yeah, it's supposed to be the same character. Wow, she does not act like it. Like, she should have, like, insane knowledge of everything that's happening with her oh, grandfather. Well, they pretend like she does. Like, in that one scene, in the, like, one of the early scenes, Van Helsing's like, yeah, she might even know more about my work than I do. But all she ever does is bring people fucking tea. Or she gets, she's the heroine who gets captured and has to be saved by the men. I mean, yeah. she gets herself into a shit ton of trouble. We'll get right up to that. Okay, so uh, the Secret Service girl is captured. Secret Service girl is, what? what is the name of her? Jane? Jane. Okay, 
Jane is played by Valerie Van Ost. And she gets captured by the Satanists on motorcycles, which is kind of funny to see. <laughs> she was in uh, the Avengers television series, not to be confused with the one starring Captain America, but the old one from the uh, 60s. And Space 1999. Um, and Dracula comes into where she is being held captive and just grabs a handful of her ass when he bites. <laughs> you notice that? I saw that, too. Yeah, I was like, I was what? like woo! <laughs> yeah. He just like grabs her right in the not the not the back end of the cheek, but the the side, like the like the part of the ass that's connected to the waist. Yeah, I was like, my nose was like, did he just grab her ass? <laughs> and then bites her, and then takes his meal to go. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice the house of Satan is very white? Yes. Wonder where that was filmed. Do we have any information about where that was filmed? All right. No. Anyway, moving on. Um, so the inspector and the assistant inspector. So we have, uh, who's the other guy? He's the one who actually lives through the end of the movie. Murray. Okay. Is that Murray that lives through the end of the movie? Yeah. Okay. So it's Julian Keeley who gets killed? Freddie Jones? Yes. Okay. Well, so, Keeley's the one who gets hanged. Wait, hold on. Sorry. Um, repeat that. Keeley is the one who gets hanged. Okay. Uh, Keely, uh, yeah, Keely is the one that gets, who, uh, where he hangs himself, though, right? Well, I guess it depends on who you're asking. Like, uh, well, I suppose, like, uh, Van Helsing thinks it was Dracula's doing, but everyone else thinks he hanged himself. <laughs> he was also in Son of Dracula as the Baron. Was he in the previous movie? I didn't think so. Okay. The characters change around so much, but, uh, he yeah. was also in... He was also in Dune, Kroll, The Elephant Man, and The Count of Monte Cristo, the <laughs> 2002 movie with uh, Jim Caviezel. So what happens next with Jessica, who's playing Nancy Drew, it seems, despite the better wishes yeah. of the people she's with? Uh, she is supposed to just be a nice, just, just be a nice young woman and stay in the car um, while the police officers go investigate the uh, facility. But she decides to fuck that and follows them in, but then goes to the basement and runs into um, a whole plethora of female vampires. Jane being one of them. Um, but her reaction to, to – uh, so she goes down there, and it doesn't seem like she sees Jane, you know, chained to the wall. And then when she leans – like, then Jane just immediately opens her eyes and then tries to bite her. And then the vampire brides of Dracula all come out of their coffin, all chained up. Now, he's Dracula's being, being a little bit more smarter about how he uh, controls his brides. Instead yes. of just letting them wander around and take away um, and do whatever the hell they want, he wants, he puts them into bondage to keep them under control. Yeah, because they, they would just be wandering about doing crazy stuff, I guess. But um, uh, that scene was was interesting in that they decide to start maybe like tearing her clothes off and grabbing her boobs and rubbing her legs oh yeah they're like they full-on just like grope the hell out of her i wonder how that's like you know in the movie script is that like in the movie script is that the director at the last minute being like touch her grab her fondle her right? i mean <laughs> i know today nowadays you'd have to make sure that's like written in the script ahead of time and it's in your contract that you're going to be allowed you know you're going to let someone else oh, touch yeah. you yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of uh, 
stricter rules in filmmaking these days, uh, even <laughs> in independent movies, that any kind of scene that involves physical contact with another person, you have to make sure that it's consent consented to by the actors ahead of time. That even if it's Definitely. like for play or it's, you know, it's a lovemaking scene or it's an actual like, you know, it's an it's it's some type of um, assault of, of this kind, uh, you would need to have uh, that type of, you know, uh, consent uh, written down right. by everybody. And uh, uh, when did Jane's bra come off? Because it looks like she was wearing a bra when she was captured in the earlier scene when she was delivering tea. And then all of a sudden she doesn't have a bra because when her shirts were like ripped oh, open, yeah. you see her breast like hanging out. And you're kind of like, <laughs> did they remove her bra before chaining her to the wall? <laughs> I guess so. You know, Dracula has, he's got some strict rules for how he likes his brides. Where is your heart located on your body? Pretty sure it's on, oh shit, the left side? Yeah, okay, so left? it's over the yeah. left, it's underneath the left breast, right? Yeah. Okay, What? where does she get stabbed with the stake by the, by the police officer? I feel like he stabbed her in the center, didn't he? No, he stabbed her underneath the right tit. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Now, <laughs> if you're going to tell me that he stabbed her in an upward motion, that they went into, that was maybe oh, the easiest yeah, way yeah. to get to the heart, that's fine. But just the way he does it doesn't look like he's stabbing her in the chest into the heart. It looks like he's stabbing her underneath the tit. Yeah. There were a lot of, a lot of stabbings happened. In a lot of blood in this one, too. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, uh, trailer calls it an orgy of the undead as the women are writhing around or whatever, and they're all cowering. Now, none of the Dracula brides do anything when the, when the, uh, inspectors come to save Jessica. He makes that fake cross. Right. Of... But they don't do anything. They just kind of sit there and cower. They're very much yeah. similar to the brides of Dracula in the brides of Dracula, where right. Van Helsing is fighting the lead vampire and the brides are just sitting there in the doorway staring and watching. Right, exactly. It's like they had nothing for them to do whatsoever. There was nothing for they just the screenwriters just didn't have anything at all for the women to do. Hmm. They're just there to um, look pretty <laughs> and harass other women. Apparently. <laughs> Hold on a second. Repeat that last part. So they're just there to look pretty and harass other women. Apparently. Dragon Lady, played by Chin Yang, uh, she does. She she's the uh, she, honestly, I think she's the first Asian actress in any of the Hammer movies that we've seen so far. Um, yeah. And she's not playing a prostitute or anything like that. She's like the leader of this cult, and it's not really revealed that she's a vampire until later on when she gets like the net thrown on her. Yeah. It doesn't and seem I like she's a she vampire really at all. Cool. And honestly, that. That whole scene reminded me of uh, the 2018 Suspiria when they first walk into the house and uh, they're like, yeah, we're just, you know, the cops just uh, checking out what's happening here. Got some weird stuff. And she just comes down like, uh, no, just everything is fine. I mean, feel free to look. Things are fine, though. And I just got like serious vibes of... Uh, the 2018 Suspiria when that same scene happened. So there was not any um, uh, any dick play. <laughs> the three women who play the other brides of Dracula are Maggie Fitzgerald, uh, who's been in stuff, but this is pretty much the end of her career. She doesn't have anything listed <laughs> past this. Excuse me, past this film. Uh, we have Paulina Pert, also very small career. Um, is it the last thing she was in was in 1994, but according to IMDb, she's in the middle of filming something in 2020. 
Oh, wow. That's interesting. Large gap between films. Uh, Finula O'Shannon um, was in stuff. Like, she's in, like, a few bit part things and then kind of disappears but passed away in uh, 1992. Very, you know, these, these are basically, like, bit part day, day actresses uh, with not a lot to do but just kind of here for the... You know, the, maybe the pick, the quick paycheck. Maybe they're married to somebody who's involved in the production. I'm not 100% certain. Um, I did like when they all uh, got hit with water and then fell over on top of each other. That was a cool shot. I have to give it up to George Back, uh, Black Blackler. He was the makeup artist for this movie um, and uh, works has worked in the makeup department in uh, Hollywood for several years. In fact, he was on over 40 episodes of the Saint television series. Whoa. Which was uh, Roger Moore's TV show uh, before he was James Bond. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so after they rescue Jessica and bring her back home, and uh, they they talk about how Dracula was resurrected two years ago because the building that... Because they talk about the previous events of the, of the last film, and they make a big deal about... Um, you know, Van Helsing going there, and there's a new building built on top of where Dracula's remains are. But in order for Dracula to have been resurrected, he has to have been resurrected, like, right after they killed him. So he's been alive in London now for two years, uh, rebuilding right. his little, you know, empire of Satanist wor worshippers. Right, and I, I had just assumed that um, the Chin, that Chin Yang um, probably brought him back or had something to do with that, seeing as she was, like, the leader person. That makes sense, yeah. Jessica, by the way, uh, do you know who was playing Jessica in this movie? Uh, well, I know, I can give you the name, but I don't know her specifically. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. Joanne Lumley is best known for playing um, Patsy on the uh, British comedy Absolutely Fabulous from 1992 to 2012. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Absolutely Fabulous was a uh, British two-woman sitcom about two women who were like drinking and boozing and smoking and just being incredibly vulgar um and was insanely popular uh through its time period and recently did a comeback um and uh, or is going to be doing a comeback or something like that but yeah she is one of the two main characters on the insanely popular absolutely fabulous but she was also huh. uh modeling uh everglot in the movie corpse bride oh whoa that's awesome yeah how come you have never done a corpse bride like cosplay a hard cosplay <laughs> is it <laughs> yeah she has that whole entire skeleton arm oh but you can easily paint that yeah i think i've just been lazy <laughs> all right so what happens next after uh we discover dracula's been alive for two years uh van helsing makes the coolest silver bullet where you get to see every step and then it's wasted <laughs> Yeah, there's like this big prep scene for it, and then uh, you're right, just like completely, completely wasted because he goes to try and confront Dracula himself. Now, this is a shot that I really like. Uh, you have uh, Dracula, like Cushing's not stupid. He knows he's talking to Dracula, and oh, yeah. Dracula has him completely blocked out in a way that he's in shadow, Cushing's in the light. And then he sets up Dracula with that uh, the the Bible. I'm assuming it's the Bible or something. Yeah, of... I think so. Okay. And Dracula burns his hands, and then that's when uh, Cushing gets captured. And Dracula makes Cushing one of his four horsemen of the apocalypse. But do yeah. we name the the four horsemen? Do we name them pestilence, war, famine, and death? Yeah. 
We do? Oh, well, in the movie, no. no. Oh, okay. I don't think so. No, I didn't think so either. Oh, yeah. I have that. I love his little office that's like that opening shot when he walks in that's all red. But, yeah, well, you like it takes that whole couple minutes to show him melting the silver cross into the silver bullet. And then he just has, like, Dracula just has one of these random, like, guards just make him misfire uh, the bullet and capture him to drag him back to the, what are the facility or whatever it was, where the ritual was taking place in the first place, with the, um, the other government dudes and the guys who are his other apocalypse, or his horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, who I guess are all kind of stupid, who thought that Dracula would not fuck them over. <laughs> and one of them gets fucked over pretty badly when he gets the plague and starts uh, decomposing. Yeah. It's like the grossest part of any Hammer movie I have ever seen. <laughs> I thought it was... So my initial thought was like, that's not what the plague looks like. That's not how the plague works. But then I was like, no, it's okay, because he specifically went out of his way to say that this version of the plague rots your skin off. Which Ugh. I was like, all right, fine, I'll let it go. <laughs> that's mostly, then that's leprosy, though. The skin thing? Yeah. Yeah. I also think of it as uh, syphilis that does that, too. Yeah, there's like a bunch. I think it's, of- it's funny that we're talking about this movie while we're dealing with our own plague. Yeah, right. I was like, wow, how uh, how topical. How topical <laughs> our podcast is. We know nothing about the uh, well, about the plague itself, but uh, it's uh, kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, it doesn't cause this type of uh, reaction to things. Uh, the bubonic yeah. plague. Is that what it is? Is it Ebola or the bubonic plague? It's the bubonic plague. Okay. What information do we have about the bubonic plague? Because we can't uh, just completely skip over what the bubonic plague actually is actual plague (laughs) um called the black death which is this was the this was the og plague that was carried by excuse me oh sorry let me edit that out this is the og uh black plague and this is where we get those plague looking costumes from right the one with the the pointy nose that looks like the mad magazine uh spies yeah yeah, because they because um, the plague killed so many people and it smelled really really bad. So you put um, like flower flower petals in the front so it wouldn't smell as bad. But yeah, this the actual plague is spread through infected fleas, which were common on rats, which is why people have say that the plague the plague is spread by rats. However, in this film, they talk about this super plague is spread by touch, like any kind of contact, which is just terrible. But, uh, the, and not just the, any kind of flea, by the way, an oriental rat flea. <laughs> and the plague is a bacterial infection, and it starts with, I think, uh, what is it? Lymph, your, your lymph nodes get swollen, and you've got fevers, you've got chills, headache, fatigue, um, and then eventually you're, like, why, one of the reasons it's called the Black Plague is your fingers will actually turn black. Oh. Um, yeah, it's, like, super gross. But uh, people in the world uh, still get the Black Plague, still get the bubonic Plague. Um, but there are, like, there are treatments now. You can get strong antibiotics for it if you are in certain parts of the world. And other parts of the world, unfortunately, 
you don't. But yeah, um, which is why when he, when the guy who has to crush it in his hands <laughs> and gets it, why he doesn't turn like black, I was concerned. I was like, oh, well, that's not what I was expecting to happen. He's not, he's not turning, he's not getting necrosis. Is it, it like, it, you know, it kills you. <laughs> it kills your set. Uh, while the special effects makeup was so cool. Uh, but I was, I was just interested to see that they didn't choose to do anything with turning any of his, like, limbs, uh, like, to make them look like they're in necrosis, um, or giving him boils. Like, I think that's, like, another thing that happens with the plague. You get these giant, gross, pus-filled boils. <laughs> Yikes. But, uh, yeah. So, several antibiotics are used for the uh, bubonic plague. Um, uh, Genomycin, doxycycline, and streptomycin. Morality is uh, morality is uh, up from is anywhere from thirty to ninety percent untreated. Yeah. That is and horrible. That is worse than the uh, coronavirus. Um, yeah. Also, if you do treat it, you are it's a uh, if it's treated, it's a death rate of ten percent, which is not that bad. However, between two thousand ten and two thousand eighteen, there were over three thousand two hundred forty eight documented cases with over uh, five hundred and eighty four deaths of the bubonic plague. Yeah, like I said, like people still get the plague. Like people don't think that happens, but it does. Like the plague is still a real thing. Yeah, but um, we have that... we have such stricter control over the bubonic plague because we've known for over hundreds of years. I mean, the the bubonic plague goes back to the 1300s. So, I mean, if coronavirus had been around for as long as we've discovered the cold or the flu, we would have we the coronavirus wouldn't be no big deal by now. We would have the vaccine, of course. Or we would have ways to treating it. We would we would have stricter um, guidelines in place years ago compared to all of a suddenly here's a brand new virus that is globally affecting us. The media would not have screwed it up nearly as bad as they have with their information. It's not one freaking uh, story coming out. It's constantly changing news stories, constantly changing misinformation, constantly telling us that your clothes, your shoes, your cats, your car, your your hat, your hands, your surfaces, right. your cardboard, your mail, your food can get the plague. And it's like, okay guys, something is wrong and something is right. Figure it out and stop telling us the wrong information because you're making everyone paranoid and panicking. The, so the the bacteria name for the bubonic plague is Yersinia pestis and that was actually my uh, one of my really early WoW characters, I named her that, because um, I I love playing as my undead horde girls because I want to be a cute zombie lady, and so I I often name my horde ladies a type uh, like at least Yersinia and then something else because I was like haha check that out I'm the fucking plague. <laughs> Do you think the way they kill the vampire brides is rather genius through the sprinkler system? Oh yeah, I loved that. I liked, I liked that. It reminded me of you know, um, 1972 when they kill what's his face through the bathtub and the shower. Right. Wait. What? 19? Are you talking? Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. I was also thinking of. Uh, I think it's named. I think his character's name is Mako in the Lost Boys. He dies oh, in the bathtub. Yes. So the cultist, uh, one of the cultists who's trying to stop the police officer from rescuing Jessica, who uh, Dracula plans on turning into his 
number one bride. I mean, he's got so many women, but it's like, I, I guess he wants to turn Jessica into his number one main squeeze because she's the daughter, uh, she's the granddaughter of his immortal enemy, Van Helsing. Yeah, he's just like a nice little petty fuck you to Van Helsing. Right, and of course he's spouting off with the dialogue about his revenge and, you know, and, and be swift and just and... Van Helsing is trying to tell him that, what are you going to do? Going to rule the planet of all dead people? I mean, seriously, this is your big plan? And Dracula just seems like, you know, that's the way it's going to be. And that one cultist gets engulfed in flames. The one that gets um, the one that gets infected by the plague, one gets electrocuted. They rescue yeah. Jessica, and then Van Helsing starts taunting Dracula from the woods. And it's like, shouldn't Dracula have, like, superior vision, dark darkness vision uh, to see Van Helsing yeah. and just fly right at him and kill him? But no, Van Helsing gets the upper hand, stabs Dracula, and he slowly disintegrates in a long long disintegration shot process going from like yes. skin and bones to bones to bones disintegrating to a pile of dust once again now <laughs> how he comes back into the next movie which the next movie in the series is the seven golden vampires which features peter cushing returning as van helsing once again but a different actor playing dracula uh, that's what i thought because i thought i had read that this was the last hammer movie with these two as dracula and van helsing it's the last movie with a uh, Hammer movie. However, they would come back to play Van Helsing and Dracula once again for a different studio hmm. a few years That's later. Awesome. The next time these actors would actually be uh, together is um, it, the next movie that Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee would be in together is The House of uh, Long Shadow, uh, co-starring uh, Vincent Price. Oh, okay. That is... Apparently the next movie that they would uh, do together. But they would do another one of these Dracula movies, but not for Hammer. The House of Long Shadow, I don't know a lot about that movie. I don't believe I have seen it. It is funny that uh, that Peter Cushing um, and Lee would continue their Hammer work. Lee would go on to be in uh, The Man with the Golden Gun, and Cushing would come back a few years later and be in Star Wars. Right. And then, of course, Lee would turn around and come back and be in come sorry come back come and be in Star Wars as Count Dooku. Uh, I just recently picked up the Count Dooku novel that explains how um, Count Dooku went from being um, Count Dooku, a rich family, rich boy, to Lord Tyrannus um, of the Sith. Oh, cool! It explains how he was trained by Yoda, how he took on a Padawan of uh, of uh, Qui Gon Jinn. Um, how he learned about the corruption in the Senate and just the absolute disregard the Jedi have for people and under his yeah. belief. And he fell under the sway of Darth Sidious, who he learned to be, um, you know, the uh, the future Chancellor, Palpatine. Right. Um, how he uh, took on the apprentice as a Sith Lord of Aji Ventures, who's the bald Dothamir sister. Mm -hmm. She's basically the female equivalent of Darth Maul's people. Right. So yep. Darth Maul's the guy. So everyone on the planet seems to have like tattoos everywhere. So they're all given tattoos at, at, a, at as a baby. The men all sport horns. The women are all bald. Makes sense. I mean, that's kind of like an animal thing, isn't it? Like certain animals have certain features. Like don't male deers have the the horns and women the the, the fawns don't. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean that's that's definitely valid. Do you think there are too many ways to kill a vampire? Because Cushing talks about like running water. And the whole cross, and the Bible, and anything holy, and sunlight, and silver, and it's just like, wow, there's a lot of different ways to kill a vampire. Why are vampires so scary? Yeah, and then in this one, too, they, he added the, uh, whatever the name of those 
branches are that Dracula gets stuck in. Right. Um, the hawthorn bush, which were apparently what Christ's crown was made of. Right. And, uh, That's what how yeah. he traps Dracula um, yeah. and then stabs him. That actually does come from the novel, something about the rose and the thorns. Um, in uh, the I movie. I thought it. I thought it did. Someone told me that's in the Dracula novel, and it's just like, oh, I gotta go look that up. In the movie Fright Night Part Two, Dr- uh, uh, da, Charlie tells his girlfriend to go read Dracula, and she does. And then when they get attacked by a vampire later on in the movie, she grabs the roses that Charlie brought to her and stuffs them in the vampire's mouth, and he uh, erupts into a, a fireball coming out of his mouth or whatever as they're as they're burning him, and then he jumps out a window. Oh, wow. And it's able to deter him from killing them for temporarily. Um, and he says that if you hadn't read the book, you know, and she re- she finishes the sentence, that then I wouldn't know, you know, how to stop him. And it comes from Dra- – and she was reading Dracula earlier. That's why I was just oh. like, is that my memory of it? Is, is, is it from that movie that the thorn roses stop a vampire? Huh. Because I don't remember that being in Bram Stoker's, but – Maybe it's just like something I forgot. It's been a couple of years since I read it. Right, definitely. Well, that is pretty much it for this episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses. In this movie, we certainly had all sorts of boobs right from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. It was the 70s, definitely, that the Hammer movies started getting crazy with the breasts. Um, the, uh, there were several movies that came out in the seventies leading up to Hammer's demise that were basically like, let's just do boobs. No longer top cleavage, just lots of breasts. (laughs) There was a fair amount of blood in this movie. Um, Sometimes the blood looked ridiculously fake, like when they're giving the guy the IV. Oh, yeah. The one that was captured that they're trying to save and they're trying to get the information, you know, their fellow uh, police officer, their undercover agent. That blood just looks so fake. It's so bright red. Yeah. Um, And then we have... The badasses in this movie would definitely have to go to um, Peter Cushing for uh, just his absolutely best portrayal. Uh, Dracula hams it up, and we've given it to him enough times. You can find the rest of the episodes of this podcast on the uh, Dorkening Network, and you can find us on our individual Twitters at ChrisDSAV. And you can find me at Rolloren, R-O-L-0-R-E-N. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with the next exciting episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast, with the movie Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter. We are not going to be doing seven golden vampires right away. Uh, We're going to put that off to a uh, stock of other vampire movies. But then after Captain Kronos, we will be doing uh, going back into the Frankenstein films, taking some time travel, Yay. and we're not leaving the presence of Christopher uh, of uh, Peter Cushing because <laughs> he's in a, he's in a lot of those movies. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Hey, thanks, guys.